This is KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzay Torah, in uh, the summer's man, starting uh, now after Pesach. We'll be having a series of shiurim by Harav Moshe Tarragon on Pekei Avot, to complement, hopefully, your own learning of Pekei Avot each week, a different parak, one Mishnah, one idea, from each parak keeping up with the general learning. Harav Moshe Tarragon. The eighth Mishnah of the second parak cites a statement of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai being one of the Tamidim of Hillel and Shammai, and the Mishnah accentuates the fact Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai Kibel mi Hillel the Shammai. So at this point we have a statement from Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, and we're moving, we're transitioning from some of the earlier Tanayim, who don't figure all the time that prominently in most of the Gemara's discourse. Um, Shmai Naftalyan, Yudha ben Taba, Nitin Harbele, Shimon ben Shetach. These are really the early, early, early Tanayim. And with the with the emergence of Hill and Shammai, and of course not just um, Hill and Shammai, Biochan and Benzakai, and the Mishnah cites the Tamidim of Biochan and Benzakai. Biochan and Benzakai taught the Eliezer ben Horkinus, Rishu ben Chananya, Rabbi Yossi HaKohen, Rabbi Shimon ben Nisanel, Rabbi Elazar ben Arach, and the Mishnah lists all the traits and the nicknames which Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai had appended to them. So now we are transitioning into the golden era of the Tanayim. Um, several Gemaros and Midrashim cite the fact that Hillel had 80 Tamidim. 30 of them were so great that they Deserved the Shechina, the same manner that Moshe Rabbeinu received the Shechina. The Gemara says, "Ela she'ein daron Their generation wasn't fit, wasn't suitable, so they were denied this visitation, this experience. Really, there are two ways to view that Gemara. One way is that they deserved the Shechina because of their personal piety and their record and their religious success, but they were held back, perhaps unfairly, but necessarily because they lived in a generation that didn't equally merit. Obviously, a different way to read the Gemara is because their generation didn't merit it, so they themselves um, were not flawed, but they themselves were not as religiously successful as they may have been, may have been had they been able to radiate or broadcast some of that religious energy to others. But those were the 30 top Talmudim of Hillel, and the um, 30 bottom Talmudim, so to speak, were so bright and so skilled that they were able to um, calculate the various astronomical factors and translate those calculations into Ibor Shana, which is typically known as one of the hardest, most um, elusive areas of Jewish Psaq, Abir Chodashim, Ki Chachmaschem, Menyagoyim, the Pasuk in Sefer Devarim, the tells us that the Jews are known as being able to calculate these astronomical decisions and Change the change the luach, change the yearly schedule, and the middle twenty. Like there were eighty tamidim altogether, fellow thirty on the top who deserved the shechina, thirty on the bottom, so to speak, who were still so skilled that they could alter the calendar, and twenty in the middle, twenty benoim. The greatest talmud was Yonatan ben Uziel, and the least accomplished talmud of Hillel was Yochanan ben Zakkai. And this is Yochanan ben Zakkai, the Gemara says, it's in Sukkah, the Chafas, Lo'inyech Mikra, 
Mishnah, Gemara, Halachos, Agados, Tosefthos, Dikduki Tara, Dikduki Sofrin, Machalamido, Shafachamin, Rilori Niach, Shum Davar Shabatara. Yochanan ben Zakkai had this encyclopedic, widespread, all-encompassing possession, learning, study, and retention of Torah, the halachic sections, the agadic sections, the Gdukim, evidently, was also very involved in correcting the transmission, um, trying to eliminate corruptions in the transmission, the Midos of the Chachamim. Yochanan ben Zakkai was a very, very well-known prominent member of Chazal. Umar says he lived 120 years, which obviously in the in the context of Moshe Rabbeinu and others who lived that even figure, that surpassing figure of 120, reaffirms his unique status. Umar says he spent 40 years in business, 40 years studying Torah, 40 years teaching Torah. This Talmud of Hillel, this Rebbe of those five Tanaim and of other Tanaim, but these are the five he listed, his most famous Tamidim, was given the title Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai, typically a title Rabban, which was reserved for the Nasi, for the base Rebbe of Rabban Gamliel, Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, but um, here he was so um, exalted in his Torah study, so accomplished, he was given that name. And of course, amongst all of the Gemaras and statements of the Yochanan ben Zakkai, perhaps the episode that he's most known for, at least historically, is the episode um, around the time of the second Korban Mesa Mikdash, where many of the firebrands, the hotheads, the younger generation, the younger guard, wanted to um, continue battling, even though it was clear that Yushalayim was under siege, Yushalayim was crumbling, they weren't to continue battling. And um, when Aspasianos came to destroy Yushalayim, the Roman general, he offered them that they should just surrender and, and save Yushalayim, but they were, um, they, they were um, intransigent. And they continued to battle. Yochanan and Zakai escaped, faked his own death, escaped from the besieged city of Yushalayim, and essentially handed the keys to Yushalayim over to Aspasianos in exchange for the Academy of Yavna, where the Tamil Chachamim were located. Sanhedrin and various Tanayim were on the move as the Romans had invaded Eretz Yisrael, so they had moved to Yavna, and at that point he saved the Masar of the Jewish people in what was then seen as a very controversial move. Anyway, the Yochanan ben Zaka issues a very provocative statement in this eighth mission of the second parak. Yochanan ben Zakkai says as follows. If you studied a lot of Torah, and he certainly was one who did, so he was an appropriate, suitable candidate to issue this statement. As mentioned before, the Gemara and Sukkah, this encyclopedic sweeping knowledge of Torah. So if you've reached that knowledge of Torah, al tachazik tova liatzmacha. Don't think highly of yourself. Kilakach notzarka. This is the reason you were created. This is the reason you replaced in the Yochanan ben Zakkai includes two ideas in this thought. Number one, a person's purpose in this world is to study Torah. The reason the world was created, several Rishonim on the Mishnah cite the well-known Medrash, Vayi'era Vayivoka Yom HaShishi, 
that the sixth day is referred to not as Yom Shishi, as the other days, Yom Hamishi, Yom Rivi'i, Yom Rishon, Yom Shini, or Yom Echad. It's referred to with the hay because even though the physical world was completed, was fully created on that sixth day of creation, the reality of that world, the viability of our world, was suspended until the second or subsequent sixth day of Sivan, because had the Jews not accepted the Torah thousands of years later on the sixth of Sivan, then the creation, which had concluded on the earlier sixth day of Rashi's, would have been rendered null, would have been irrelevant. The world would have collapsed into um, oblivion. The world was created so that spirituality should descend into this world, so that Hashem's presence should be felt, so that His essence should be understood, and Torah study is the direct revelation of God by studying His will. So the reason we were created in this world is to study HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Torah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Torah. And therefore, Riochanan ben Zakkai says, if you study Torah, you shouldn't feel great, you shouldn't feel superior. You're merely uh, fulfilling your design task. The Gemara Sanhedrin quotes the Pasuk in Eov, Adam la'amo yulad, a person was created to work and the Gemara interprets that to be the work in Torah, la'asav v'divrei We live in a fallen world, a world which requires perfection, improvement, redemption, tikkun olam. And of course there are great debates within Orthodox Judaism about having fallen from Ganesha and having fallen out of the perfect world, should we nonetheless superimpose the Biochran ben Zakkai's statement, superimpose the Gemara and Sanhedrin statement, superimpose the sense that we should be involved solely in Torah study, even though our world needs change and profession and work? Or should we make what is a heroic, and some people feel ideal, concession to that reality, recognizing our reality is fallen, and redeem our world, build our world, serve our world. That's the great debate in today's world between a Haredi lifestyle and other types of lifestyles. It's an ancient debate. It's already cited in the Gemara in Brachos. Machlokas between Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and Rabbi Yishmael. Is that what a Kodesh Baruch desires? Rabbi Yishmael felt that it was, that we should work. In this case, work doesn't just mean profession and finance and agriculture, but just to work to sustain the world, to perfect the world, to enhance the world? Or should we assume that work will be performed by others? Melachdan, Naaseis Ayyadeacherim, as Rabbi Shimon Bayochai suggested. So the Yochanan ben Zakkai is sounding a reminder, he's not poskining, as it were, he's not a stock in the literal sense, so the Yochanan ben Zakkai is not relating to the Pasuk of Vyasaf Vigarach, in the same way that Rabbi Shimon Bayochai and Rabbi Shimon were. It's just reminding us, and it's a moral statement, if you study Torah, don't feel that you have, uh, if you've accomplished in Torah, don't feel that you've done something extra, something superior, something noteworthy. You're just fulfilling your basic responsibility, your basic responsibility, your basic reason that you're the reason you were placed in this world. Just to study a Kodesh Baruch Again, if you offer a Zakai statement, it could be very consistent with a non-Haredi approach. You perfect the world, we improve the world, we study Torah, whatever resources we have available after perfecting and changing the world, but whatever success we reach in Torah study, it shouldn't be um, chalked up as some super accomplishment. Um, it's a very important and provocative statement. This brings me to the second point of the Um Without question, 
person that studies Torah should feel proud. Should sense that pride. Should sense that or as we say when we make a sin, we're proud that the Baruch gave us this pursuit of infinity of eternity to study his Torah. The Rambam elaborates the Gemara Yoma describing the great glory that a person should sense by wearing a Kessler Torah, by being, um, by having the privilege, the luxury to study Torah and to be ennobled by that pursuit. Various yeshivas over the last 200 years heightened this feeling of pride, of uniqueness. In some cases, it expressed itself in a very ugly way to the disdain and contempt of those that don't study Torah. But the Yochanan ben Zakkai statement could theoretically be very dismissive of that approach. You should, person who studies Torah, person who succeeds, nothing special, doesn't accomplish anything unique or remarkable. That's just your, your basic duty. Obviously, Yochanan ben Zakkai is trying to issue a corrective. I don't think Abiyachim and Zakkai would issue or avoid any sense of pride that that's a great motivator for Torah study. But pride and vanity can become very, very dangerous on an interpersonal level, and also on a theological level. Abiyachim and Zakkai is reminding us, is, is correcting, is reestablishing the balance. There's some pride, but the pride has to be kept in check, morally, interpersonally, but also kept in check because it can, um, it can thwart Continued Torah study. The great fear of someone that studies and ceases to study because they're very complacent in minimal achievements and minimal levels of knowledge achieved. In fact, Rabbi Rabbeinu Yonah, in his commentary to this Mishnah, at least at the beginning of the statement, um, rendered it in a very, very um, intellectual perspective. Um, the Pashtas, the simple reading of this Mishnah, is Vyokhim and Zakkai issuing a moral statement. Even if he really accomplished tremendous amounts in Torah, and who other than Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai to communicate this, you shouldn't feel proud because though your accomplishments in an objective sense are significant, you've acquired significant tracts of Torah knowledge, but being that that is your purpose in life, so you're simply paying your debt. Many Rishonim invoked invoked that metaphor, person paying his debt to a This is the reason we're created. So even though the massive Torah study mathematically may seem impressive, morally of no reason for celebration. Rebbe Yonah took at least the beginning of this and um, interpreted it in a very, very um, intellectual stance, not even a moral statement. Quoted the Pasuk in Eo, Parakir Aleph, Arucha Meretz Midar Minayam, about the sweeping infinity and enormity of Torah. It's larger than the earth, and it's wider than the seas. And according to Rebbe Yonah, you shouldn't feel proud of your Torah accomplishments because even in objective terms, they aren't really accomplishments. If Torah is really infinite, and it is because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is infinite, and as the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Torah reflects his infinity, then no human being, even Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, even Rosh Rabbeinu, even someone who is quite accomplished in Torah study, no one can even make significant strides in accomplishing Torah in an objective level, obviously relative to others. But in an objective stance, your accomplishments aren't even noteworthy, aren't even remarkable. Not just morally should pride be contained and ego be checked. Now, obviously, this is not just an intellectual statement. 
because the conclusion of the Mishnah, or the conclusion of this phrase, introduces a non-intellectual issue, doesn't speak about the enormity of Torah, but the purpose and the mission of a person's life. Even Rabbeinu Yonah sees the intellectual assessment as morphing into a moral question, right? And the two ultimately are fused. Torah is infinite, and we are charged with this lifelong pursuit, a lifelong passion, try to conquer whatever we can of this infinite knowledge of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And on an objective level, as much as we accomplish, we really haven't, because the more we study, the more we realize how little we know. And therefore, we don't feel pride, A, because of the intellectual awareness of the sleeping infinity. And B, because even if we are able to quantify our accomplishments in relation to others, we, we're driven not by the competition with others, but by the chase of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And and, and even to a degree, the, the chase of the infinite should humble us. If we're chasing a Kurdish Baruch then we're not interested in comparing ourselves to others. We're humbled by the infinity in front of which we stand. And this is Rebbe Yochanan's, seemingly, Rebbe Yochanan ben Zakai's primary statement. On the phrase, Kilakach Notzarta, or Al-Tachzik Tova Li'atzmacha, appears in another Gemara, it's in a Gemara in Sanhedrin, Pechesim and Beis. Gemara says, Ezeu ben Olam Haba, who merits Olam Haba? This is the Parakis Batman as the God Olam Haba, as the Lord withheld from Olam Haba, as the Gemara says, I'm the son, someone who's humble, Shval Barich, Garis Veraisa Padir is constantly studying Torah, the Lomachazik Tibu Lenashe. He doesn't hold himself in any great regard, doesn't assume that he is anything special. Lomachazik Tibu Lenashe. The Gon, the Vilna Gon, in his commentary to this Mishnah, essentially interpreted the primary manner, the way I just stated, but um, cited another angle, which perhaps introduces a nuanced change, or nuanced addition. When we read of Yochanan ben Zakkai's statement, Ki Likach Notzarta, we, we take it in a... Um, Figurative sense. You were created, that's your purpose, that's your mission. We don't read too much into the world, no tzarta, creation. Vilna Gaon took that very literally. Kilakach no tzarta, he cited various Midrashim and Gemaros, that a person studies the entire Torah in his mother's womb. And then, when he exits the mother's womb, all that Torah is forgotten. Some, Amar Chazal speak about a malach, Touching a person right above the mouth, creating that cleft in the upper lip, and forcing him to forget that power. The Vilnagon would always quote the Gemara. The Gemara says, Gemara in Bab Mitzir, a person says that I worked hard, Yagati, Umatsasi, and I accomplished in Torah, you should believe him. He says, Yagati, Umatsasi, I worked hard in Torah, and I didn't accomplish, Altami, you shouldn't believe him. There's a very interesting phraseology, Yagati, Umatsasi. I worked and I found. It doesn't say Yagati Vilamayati, Yagati Umatsasi. Phrase describing success in Dara studies, a phrase of Mitsia finding. And the God attributed that phraseology, that syntax, Targimara. That Tara is not really something we acquire, it's something we reacquire, we reclaim, because our Tara, Tara we know, has already been studied, and um, it's been lost, and we're trying to reclaim that lost Tara. The Rav always asks himself, itself, why is the person taught Torah if he's only meant to forget it after he exits the mother's womb? Why, why even bother? And the answer is, the answer he gave is this, 
even though we're studying Torah, which cognitively and intellectually we don't yet know, it's still part of our kishkis, it's still part of our subconscious. There's a level of of, of, of acquaintance and, and understanding that predates or precedes our cognitive accomplishments and achievements in Torah. And it's part of our soul in a way that forgetting, intellectual forgetting, cannot eliminate. So the Vilnagon read into this word Nelsarta the fact that you weren't just born into this world with that mission statement, but you were actually born into this world with Torah knowledge already assumed. And therefore, A, you're merely retracing your steps. It's not just, this is your mission in life, and therefore you shouldn't feel good about yourself, but this is, this is your second nature almost. And not just morally, but getting back to that moral, intellectual balance, even intellectually, you're merely recovering that which you really know. So the accomplishment is put into, um, into, into less of a light, but it should be something that impresses you. You're merely restudying something that you've already studied. So the simple reading of this um, statement is again a moral one. It's your mission, and according to the Villagone, it's not just your mission, but it's your innate primordial self. This prenatal study of Torah, which establishes Torah at the anchor of the at the center of your personality, and establishes both mission and prior familiarity with Torah study. Um, very interesting statement in Yishalmi and Demai. Yishalmi and Demai, Tarek Zayin al-Achagimel, tells the story of Rabbi Yochanan. Not a, presumably not Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, but Rabbi Yochanan. Um, could be Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, because the Amara, Rabbi Yochanan lived in Bavali, and may not have been cited by the Talmud Yishalmi. It says about Rabbi Yochanan, Ashkach Sakra Atzimuya. He found a, um, a teacher, okay, someone who was uh, teaching, and um, he was sick. And he said, why are you sick? Um, he says, I'm fasting. Okay, and therefore he's very weak. So Yochanan told him, Asir lecha, it's Asir for you to fast. And Malachas basa v'dam Asir, you're not allowed to fast if you were a worker. If you were a regular worker, you couldn't fast, because by fasting you'd weaken your energy and not be able to work as hard as you should for your employer. They sometimes live in an era of very, very loose Employee responsibilities. Work, people sometimes take advantage. And in halacha, a person, employee has obligations to the employer to work as hard as they can. It's excuse me, fourth bracha benching. Because, uh, he doesn't want to take too much time in the balabais's, um, ledger. And time he clocks or punches on the clock. So if you're a worker, can fast. If it's going to come at the expense, of his employer. Obviously, he can fast a halachic fast, but not personal, voluntary fast. So, the Yochanan told his teacher the same thing. You're not allowed to fast because you will weaken yourself. If you're a worker and you're not allowed to fast, certainly, as he told him, uh, you certainly cannot take away from the work which HaKadosh Baruch Hu demands and expects. So, this is the literal reading of the Mishnah. The Sifarno introduces a slightly different reading. The first view of this Mishnah is that it's taken in purely objective terms. Theological, moral, educational. Torah is sleeping and infinite. Even accomplishments should be seen as minor rather than major. A person's mission is to study Torah. Even success in Torah 
should not be seen as remarkable but fulfilling basic responsibilities. Sifrano says that the purpose of Yochim ben Zakkai was not to discuss the theological, moral implications of success in Torah study, but rather interpersonal questions. Inevitably, a person will study Torah, and one person will succeed in Torah more than another person. That success should not be attributed solely to uh, effort or to personal um, value, but just the fact that people were given different skills and different talents. And um, some people have talents to succeed in, in Torah more than others, and for some people success in Torah is analytical, and for other people it's informational, for some people it's pilpul, for some people it's Tanakh. Again, this is me elaborating on the Sifarno. But um, don't assume that you are working and, and succeeding, especially the work, more than your friend. Because as important as work is, you may just have different talents. And part of the reason that the Sifarno reads this into the Mishnah is because of the conclusion of the Mishnah. The conclusion of the Mishnah states the nicknames which of Yochanan ben Zakkai allocated to his various Talmidim, the Shevach of the Talmidim that he would exclaim. And he called it Elizabeth ben Horkinus, a borsage, Tipa, an insulated bore that lost none of his Torah, none of his water. Yes, Yakon was a Chassid, Bishimon was a Yerechet, Elizabeth ben Arach was a Mayim HaMizgaber. He's pointing out different traits in religion in general, in some cases different ways of studying Torah. And what's fascinating about this is he didn't homogenize his Talmidim. He recognized his Talmidim as different, possessing and endowed with different talents. And he celebrated and cultivated the different talents. And some of those differences expressed themselves in different ways of studying Torah. And some of them, uh, not even in the Torah study. When he called the Yosiyakohen a chassid. So, of course, the Yosiyakohen was a big time, and I'm sure knew how to learn. But that's not the talent that Rabbi Yochanan sensed in him. In, in uh, Elizabeth and Orkinus, he sensed someone that was able to maintain his Torah study or his Torah knowledge. Rishun ben Nisan, I'll refer to as Yerechetz, who was able to recognize that although they all were remarkable in their religious achievement and their Torah study, they possessed different unique talents. And what's interesting is that, to a degree, the Sifarno takes a statement which others saw as speaking about the um, the uh, surpassing nature of Torah study, that everyone has to study Torah, Kilakach it's the mandate and the mission for every person, the Sifarno in some ways modifies this statement. If you succeed in Torah, don't look askance or don't look askew at someone that succeeds differently, or even someone that succeeds a little bit less, because he may be working just as hard, again, maybe working just as hard in general religious commitment, or be working just as hard even in Torah study, it may come to different types of success in Torah study, or even different areas of expression in, in, in religious affairs. So, it's a whole different view of the Mishnah, but not just a whole different view that according to the simple reading, it's theological and moral, and according to the Sifarno, it's how you view others of different religious success. But it has the effect, to a degree, of almost decentralizing Torah study, whereas the simple reading would absolutely centralize it, not decentralizing, but at least allowing options and variations in religious success, 
Whereas the simple reading of Yochum and Zakkai is that every person is called to that mission of Torah study, and therefore you shouldn't be proud. If Ben and Yonah already sensed the heavy-handed, so to speak, emphasis on Torah study, he concludes his reading of Yochum and Zakkai that the same statement, not to feel proud about yourself for a religious success, the Kach applies not just to Torah study with all mitzvahs, and indeed it applies. Obviously it applies. We're going to perform mitzvahs. We're going to fulfill the Kodesh Baruch Hu's will. But even though it applies to all mitzvahs, the Yochanan ben Zakkai said it primarily about Torah, and forcing the Ben Yonah to almost um, uh, apologize and say, well, it's, don't think it's only about Talmud Torah, it's also about mitzvahs in general. But it's interesting that these two different general readings of the Yochanan ben Zakkai provide very different attitudes. The first attitude, the Kachnatzarka, the reason the world was created, the mission that everyone has, the responsibility and debt of the Shabarako, and therefore you shouldn't be proud. This is Ferno is not discussing the theological issue, but more um, looking at other people and other types of power study and even other types of religious experience and being able to ratify and validate that as well.